All right, everybody, welcome back to the Agents of Comic Book Podcast. My name is Paul. And I'm Eric. That's right, and we're back here doing more X-Men. This time we're going to be covering Days of Futures Past, uh, which takes place right after the story we just did last week. So um, this is, I mean, this episode isn't at all related to basically in any way to what we were doing last week. So it's kind of just another one-off, but it's nice that we can kind of go right after Dark Phoenix and yeah, do this yeah. story right after that. So it kind of follows it up nicely. That's why I chose to do it in succession. Yeah, exactly. Um, so that's what we're going to be doing today. And then obviously we can compare it to the Days of Futures Past movie, which um, after rewatching it had more in common with the comic than I remember. Yeah, um, definitely. I mean, they, they changed a lot of things, but we'll talk we'll talk about that in a minute here. Yeah, structurally it was almost identical. Just yeah, like yeah. a lot of the plot points were just kind of switched out. Yeah, rereading it, I noticed that this time. We'll, we'll get into that too. Uh, if, if this is your first time joining us, usually we'll cover one comic book story and then one movie and then compare them to each other. Usually they have something to do with each other. Yeah. Uh, if not a direct adaptation. Um, we can always read, uh, see ahead of time what we're doing over on Twitter at agents of podcast. That's where you can follow us on there. Um, as well as that's where I'm always live reading different books I'm covering. Uh, I've been reading, uh, live reading swamp thing, uh, for a while now. And now thank yeah. you, you picked a good episode for next week. So now I, was I can actually, say. now I can actually talk about all the swamp thing I've been reading. Yeah. You've been in the mindset. Yep. Uh, so I guess which uh, which uh, Swamp Thing are we doing? I figure we might as well start with uh, you know Volume One of Alan Moore, right? Okay. Uh, do like Anatomy Lesson, and then like maybe the stories that follow it. Okay. Yeah, uh, I've actually read Anatomy Lesson, but it's been a long time, so right. it'll so, be good to get through it again. Yeah, I figure start there and then see where we where we end up. Okay. Uh, but yeah, so that that's a. Uh, Sneak peek of what we're doing next week. We're going to start a Swamp Thing series uh, because, like we mentioned several times on this podcast, uh, we started out this show with the premise of covering things as they come out. But yep. 2020 has been the worst year possible to have started that podcast. Yep. So we've been improvising. We've been calling audibles. <laughs> oh, uh, yeah. we're, we're going back and covering old shitty movies, some old good movies. Yeah, there's there, been some gems. A couple. Yeah. Not many. A couple. <laughs> Fantastic Four was good, and I will defend that. I mean, you go right ahead and defend it. I will defend that movie with my life. <laughs> Uh, there's one adaptation going on right now, actually. In a couple days, as we're recording this, that new Mutants movie is coming out. Oh, right. Uh, but so that is, like, set in stone. Yeah, they're releasing that in theaters. Damn, dude. That and is bold. That's such a... <laughs> oh, my God. I can't... So, obviously, we're not going. I'm we're, not going. We're two relative... Like, I always say we're dummies, but we're at least that smart to not go see a movie in the middle of a pandemic. Exactly. There's, there's a very small list of movies I would die to see. I don't think New Mutants is on it. <laughs> yeah, I think I can wait for it to be streaming. Um, so we, our plan was originally to cover that movie, but God knows when it'll get in our hands. Yeah, whenever it's streaming, I'm sure it won't be long till it's streaming. Yeah, because like they gotta like people's attentions are uh, just barely holding on to it. Like they gotta <laughs> they gotta push that. Yeah, apparently <laughs> the only reason it's getting released theatrically is because that was like written into the contract. There's like a loophole really? where it's the only way the movie can come out is in theaters. Even if there's a deadly pandemic going on, it's going out. <laughs> yeah, they're just gonna like put up props in the theater, be like, "Look, people came to see it. Now let's let's put it up digitally." It's right. been one day. The ass is in the seats. Technically, what they could do is just release it in one theater for, like, one time and not invite anybody and then just sell it online. I'm sure it's going to be stricter than that. <laughs> no, I found the loophole. I don't think they're that lenient. I should be a lawyer. You should be. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck school. Yeah. Uh, but without further ado, we're going to be getting into the book for this week, uh, which is going to be Days of Futures Past. It's going to be a lighter week than most most times, because usually we'll cover on this podcast like an arc, like a complete story. Yeah. Uh, but this is one of those examples uh, where the story is very tight, uh, very compact. It's only two issues. Yeah, I was surprised because I, I figured, you know, something dealing with time travel, you know, usually that's pretty right. uh, dense. And but I mean, like... it is a Claremont book, so you do get your mileage out of this. Oh, no, definitely. Like uh, in, in a modern storytelling, this these two issues could have easily been like a five-issue five 
issue arc. Oh yeah, like that, easily for sure. If you like decompact it, yeah. There's a lot going on in a little bit of time. Yeah, for better or worse. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Just to get the creative team out there for this week, of course, we have uh, writer Chris Claremont again. Uh, same same as the last story we did. Um, artist is John Byrne, who again is a human <laughs> garbage pile. Yeah, uh, but he, he sometimes draws some good pictures. Yeah, he's a guy. We'll say that. <laughs> um, the and we have inks by Terry Austin. Uh, letters by Tom Orchakowski. Colors by Glennis Wine. Uh, the issue opens up. Uh, this it's kind of like a different opening than you usually get for uh, for these issues because we open up in like the distant future, which of course is 2013. Right. <laughs> <laughs> the distant future, unimaginable. Don't worry, it gets worse than this. Yes. <laughs> so we open up. It's uh, in New York, but it's like a. a post-apocalyptic new york you know buildings have been destroyed by something we don't know what yeah things aren't um, looking good and it's uh, kitty pride although she's introduced as kate pride uh she's an older woman here with like a collar around her neck that inhibits her powers um so she's just working for the sentinels going through like kind of like trying just trying to play it cool until she can like uh, meet up with you know someone who can help her out in the resistance yeah at a certain age you advance past the kitty right and that, that's what she's <laughs> called now in in uh in the modern comic in marauders i mean i think it's a cooler name yeah, Marauder, she goes by Kate, and anyone who calls her Kitty, she's like, nah, you better watch your mouth. <laughs> okay. So she's she's finally grown into it. Gotcha. Um, yes, yeah, so we were uh, with Kate Pride here in the future, and she um, runs into these uh, like human resistance fighters. Um, it Santa seems like there's multiple camps, because... The apocalypse seems to have come, especially for the mutants. Like they seem to be like hunted. Yeah. But then the humans also seem like they were taken out as well. So this is like an AI takeover in general over everybody. Yeah. But specifically with the function to like oppress and capture mutants. Yep. Because we get like the she runs into these like street toughs uh, who are like part of this human resistance. And so when they run into a mutant, they're like, "Oh, you're the cause of all of this. Like this is your fault. Like we're gonna kill you." Mm-hmm. But then we get to meet uh, old man Logan here for the first time. <laughs> uh, he's got the gray streaks like Rit- uh, Reed Richards. Yeah, these dudes they're going against are basically just the warriors from uh, the, like the old movie. Uh, what movie? You never seen Warriors? No, I haven't. Oh, really? It's like in New York too, where they they're all like punk styled and everything. Oh, really? Is that yeah. an older movie where he would have been referencing that? Uh, actually, what year was this? This was nineteen eighty. Oh, for 81. sure. Oh, damn. Yeah, that actually attracts me. Yeah, that could have been. Yeah, definitely. Uh, but yeah, so we get like an older Wolverine who's like, "Hey, bub, you fucked with the wrong Wolverine." <laughs> he doesn't say that, but yeah, he could have. Yeah, he doesn't use the claws here because that pretty much alert every sentinel in the area. Yeah, and the claws uh, are something that come up a, a few times in this arc. I want to talk about that when that yeah, comes up again cool later. Yeah, there's some cool moments, especially with Storm. Um, it, it, like almost kind of things you pick up in the future too, like the way he acts in the future is different. Because like here, you notice he doesn't use the claws. He says it's because he doesn't want to alert the sentinels. But I'm wondering if there's maybe oh, other reasons. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah, totally. Yep. Um, <laughs> no, that's a good call. Yeah, we'll get into that. Uh, but Wolverine mentions that he's working for the Canadian Resistance, which is pretty cool. Like that's just mentioned offhand and yeah, not really yeah. like, expanded upon. But you can just kind of imagine. Like I'm imagining him with like Alpha Flight forming his own Avengers up in Canada. Right, that'd be awesome. Which sounds badass. But now he's <laughs> down here because he's got to help the uh, the X Men out with something specific. So he rescues Kitty, and uh, we just get. Uh, this is a good way to introduce us. Like the reason why this works really well is only two arcs is because you're you're just thrown into it right away and like yep. the, like and you get to like learn about this world just as she learns about it. Well, not even as she learns about it because that's what makes this cool she just knows all of it and walks through it and you just kind of get a piece of it because mm-hmm. she walks by like through this uh, mutant basically concentration camp with all these sentinel guards yep and she walks through like this giant graveyard and that's where we see like the the damage that's been done in in the year of our lord 2013 <laughs> yeah some notable names 
Yeah, she walks by a graveyard, and it's not just the X-Men who have been hunted down. It's pretty much any superhero as well. Yeah. Um, we see, like, the graves of the Fantastic Four alongside the X-Men. And, like, later on, they'll they'll tell us, like, the other heroes who, like, died fighting the Sentinels. They show mm-hmm. us, like, uh, all of the Avengers, Black Panther. Um, like, they all went down trying to fight these Sentinels. But it would be cool to see, like, other stories set, like, in this uh, timeline. You know, see, like, the Resistance, seeing them all go down. It'd be, like, kind of like Freedom Fighters over at DC. Yeah, that would actually be pretty cool. Um, but they meet up with the leader of the Resistance, who is Magneto, but he's in he's in a wheelchair like Professor X. Yeah, it's just swapping roles. Yep. So Magneto in the far future has uh, it, it's kind of like we saw in the movie. It's like we wasted so much time fighting, like we were all on the same side the whole time. Yeah, totally. Uh, but the Resistance, uh, they, they've really cut down the ranks of the X Men. There's not many people left here. I mean, Wolverine and Storm are still there. Those are the two we recognize the most. Yeah. Um, but then we also have uh, I mean Magneto as well. We mentioned, but then a newcomer. I think this might be her first appearance of, of Rachel Summers. Mm-hmm. They don't call her Rachel Summers here, but the, the, her story expanded upon later yeah they kind of just call her rachel yeah uh, so she's just a powerful psychic is all we're told uh, but she is the the daughter of scott and jean gray okay and then franklin's here too right yeah franklin richards makes a cameo here as well we don't see any of his like his powers that we know of uh, yeah he, he gets uh he gets killed pretty early yeah he's, he's kind of just here <laughs> as a cameo reference yeah it's like hey you remember him oh he's dead <laughs> <laughs> i'd have to look into this but i don't know if this was the first mention of him being a mutant Oh, really? I don't know if it was or not, it, it, but I can kind of see this maybe like fitting into kind of expanding on that. Okay. Because they don't show what his powers are, which is the only part I found suspicious. Is yeah. Like, I don't know if that had been developed yet. No, I, oh, that makes sense. Because we've talked about Franklin before. We did the first arc in that uh, Hickman Fantastic yep. Four, which anyone can go back and listen to. So we've talked about Franklin before. So this is oh, interesting yeah. seeing him in this future fighting alongside the X-Men. Yeah, this would seem like it'd either be a time where they didn't know what his powers were yet or they were just alluding that he was a mutant. Yeah, but I do like him being here because we saw the graves of all the Fantastic four too so he's got a big dog in this fight oh yeah yeah he's got a lot of stake yeah and oh i forgot colossus is here i always forget about colossus yeah <laughs> it's a pretty question yeah unfortunately in this future for for uh for kate she's married to colossus which is a cursed future so that's really why she has to go back in time <laughs> yeah and, and the worst part is too like uh rachel's here too who like in in later on uh i can kind of talk about rachel a little bit too because we're not going to talk about the story today okay because um, i actually just read this story going through my own claremont read okay uh rachel they show her in like another alternate future which is very much like this one so pretty much identical mm-hmm. um but in that future her and kate are married oh okay um so like having her rachel here like with colossus just being like just marry rachel colossus is a shit stick. <laughs> well they kind of get a moment uh like at the end they do yeah because yeah. uh, rachel will talk about it here rachel is the one who sends kitty back in time yep uh using her psychic abilities so Kitty's with Rachel the the whole time as as they're doing this mission, uh, and then Wolverine, Storm, and what's left of the X Men are like, all right, we have to attack the Sentinels and try to distract them long enough for us to you know get the shit done. Mm-hmm. So when we meet the X Men, I mean, this is very short off the heels of what we just talked about with Days of Futures Past. So pretty much where we left the characters is where we're at now. Scott did leave the team because of what happened in Days of Futures Past. He's like. Listen, Charles, I need a break. <laughs> yeah, I at the very least need a break. I've been through some shit. <laughs> Let me uh, take, a, take a, a seat on the bench here for a while. Yeah, like not saying this is a full breakup, but I just need to breathe. Yeah, so Storm is actually the leader of the X-Men where we're picking up right now, which is pretty cool. She, make, she makes it a, a good leader and actually like kind of talks people into changing some of their ways. Um, of fighting and kind of so she does actually have a noticeably different leading style than uh, than Scott did. Oh yeah, and then it seems like Angel's on the team as well now for for where we are right now as well because he uh, he was with the team when they did the uh, the battle on the moon for for Jean's life. Yeah, so he kind of I mean I guess uh, did he kind of get outed publicly or did 
that, that, people know he's a mutant now, right? I think that happened because of everything that we wa- watched in Days of Future's yeah, past. Yeah, that's um, what I was So saying. everyone knows that Warren is, is Angel now. But yeah, like, yeah. he mentions it later on. He's like, I have lots of lawyers. I'll be fine. Don't worry about me. Yeah, one of them brings it up to him. He's just like, I'm not that worried. That's what I pay all these lawyers for. Yeah, so that's a good way of showing us that yeah, like, he's super privileged. He can, oh, yeah. He's the only one who can get away with this. Yeah, yeah totally. Um, but we're, So we see the, uh, the X-Men training in the danger room, and uh, Kitty's part of the team now, too. She has her costume and everything. And mm-hmm. in between these issues, they gave her the worst name ever which is sprite yeah that's her x-men name at this point i was gonna say like <laughs> the first couple times that name came up i was like wait is sprite someone else like i passed over like who the hell is that no, and i kitty. realized it was kitty i was like oh really claremont kept kind trying to give her an x-men name and none of them stuck yeah that's i mean I'm kitty she had a bunch of different ones alone is just like a good name i think like, she had a good one well yeah, the, the thing is if you're trying to actually have a secret identity you oh can't yeah, go by kitty yeah, pride because at this point true. they have secret identities yeah that makes sense so they have to they have to have some kind of name yeah. but they, uh, claremont gives her a much better one uh shadow shadow cat later uh, yeah i, I like think that i think that's during her time at least at it's cat related. <laughs> yeah and it's like shadow like she's sneaky like yeah. she gets through things she's like a burglar kind of archetype yeah totally um so I, I thought that was a better name sprite is fucking terrible Sprite's bad. <laughs> that's an awful name it's horrible uh, so we get her like warming up with the team and god this danger room like the way claremont writes it especially in these early issues is like freaky i was gonna say they never like- really explain how or why it can do any of these things they add a, a really like late bullshit reason way later in continuity in modern day, but like, okay. for now it's just basically like a weird room Charles Xavier built. I was gonna say it seems very unsafe. There's a couple times <laughs> rereading this that they actually mentioned like we need to look out for Kitty. She could die. Yeah, I'm like this. She could die. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like shouldn't this just be a simulation? Yeah, no, that's a problem. Is she can die in here? I mean, like I, you want to practice how you play, but still, like I get it would be dangerous, but hopefully there's like safeguards at least. Exactly. Um, but yeah, Kitty actually just uh, wipes the floor with everything in the danger room because she can just walk through it. Yeah, um, she kills it. Like Charles Xavier, they mention it. He designed this room to test Kitty. So he designed a room knowing what her powers are that were just meant to like squish her and shit. Like that's and, never going to work. Yeah, and she like basically passed it without like any fail the first time. Yeah, because the X-Men are just like laughing in the control room watching her just <laughs> body this That's test. such a great moment. Like Wolverine's just dying. It's like, I would pay anything to see that old man's face right now. <laughs> <laughs> that old bitch. But that's canon. Uh, Kitty, Kitty Pride is a pro gamer. Oh yeah, for sure. Uh, but during this mission, she uh, gets visited by her future self because that was their plan is put kate pride into the mind of kitty pride back in the past yeah a bit of bad timing so right as she finishes this test she like goes comatose because the the new consciousness takes over her body and when she wakes up she's the older kate and so she instantly looks looks around and she's like like just has like this moment of all she's like all my friends they're all alive and she like you know hugs nightcrawler yeah it's gotta be a trip and up to this point her and nightcrawler like she's been kind of like afraid of him because he's like uh more like you know scary looking than the other ones yeah it comes up earlier yeah so then this like as soon as like kitty like hugs nightcrawler he's like whoa what happened (laughs) he's like we're friends now yeah, and she's like, oh, of course, Kurt. Like, I, I can't believe I'm seeing you again because Kurt was one of the graves we saw. Yeah. So he he's long dead for her. Oh, yeah. So it's good. Yeah, so it's just like a trip for her going through and seeing all these people. And she she does the good trick for people visiting from the future where very early on you got to prove it by saying a detail about every person. Yeah, exactly. Instant way to just win their trust so we can get past that part. Yep. Uh, but she gives us basically the plot of this story, the reason why she came back. Um, she doesn't know the exact history of it, which is interesting. She's in like, uh, for her, like history is probably hard to get by though. She didn't go to school. You yeah. Know? She grew, uh, or I guess she did when she was a kid, but then shit hit the fan really quickly. Mm-hmm. Like, so if you want to go back and look for history, you can't just go on the internet because a, I don't know if 
that ever got invented or excelled to the point where we got it today because of everything that happened here. Yeah, I didn't give a shit about world history like before I was 13 years old. Right. And the internet <laughs> never got to be invented or if they, it did, the Sentinels are fucking yeah, know, totally. they're the ones using it. Yep. Um, so Kitty is like doesn't know the exact history of what happened. She just knows that a senator got assassinated by the Brotherhood of Evil Mutants, mm. and that's what was like. That's what she thinks, at least, it was the catalyst for everything that happens. That's as far back as she can trace it. Yep. So that's like she's like that's the only lead we have. That so that's the event we have to stop and just hope that it works out for the better. That's all we got. Do you think Robert Kelly was a play on Robert Kennedy? That's a good question. I don't know. Their, their names are pretty similar, but because like the even the way he looks, it just like his whole like kind of ideal. It is the kind the of look Kennedy does kind of strike me. Yeah, yeah, it kind of reminds him. me of like Robert Kennedy, like the whole Robert Kelly Kennedy kind of like tracks. It could be, yeah, um, just to kind of make him like that kind of level of politician. To yeah, set be- that in your mind because yeah. then in the movie they use the JFK assassination too as a big plot point. So I feel You're like right. that kind of comes up. Yeah, I'd have to look into that. That could be the case. I'm yeah. not sure. Yeah, it could be because we we get what his whole mission is. Because um, Kitty uh, explains it like he gets like the way that things play out. Like he gets assassinated because of that. Uh, some like alt right, basically uh, anti mutant uh, president takes over. Yeah, yeah. And then they show us that picture I was talking about, where they show all the heroes who died trying to take out the Sentinels. So just so I can go through here, just so I think it's kind of interesting to see the ones that they chose to to call out here. Yeah, it's a cool panel because uh, we see all of the Avengers. You know, Iron Man, Captain America. Several of the X-Men, Charles Xavier, Cyclops, Beast, Wa- uh, uh, Wanda, um, Daredevil's on there. Oh, rest in peace, my boy. And then boy. Doom's on there, too. Yep, Doctor Doom, the Hulk. Yep. Uh, Black Panther, all of the Fantastic Four. Yeah, it's so, a big list. So, so yeah, that's even, even Doctor Doom couldn't stand up to the Sentinels, and that even the Hulk yeah, couldn't stand up to the Sentinels. that's nuts. Yeah. And the Daredevil, I mean, I just respect my boy for trying. I was going to say, that's a bad matchup. <laughs> yeah, no, you know what? You just got to imagine he went out just fucking shirt torn. Just, oh, yeah. Hey, you bastards, come get me. Yeah, at least he <laughs> went out fighting. Yeah. Uh, so she's like, this is this is what we got to do. We got to stop this assassination and just hope that, you know, things turn out differently. Yeah. Um, and this whole story is going to be intercut between this year. Um, I forget what year exactly we're in right now. I, I imagine in 1980. I don't know. For I think sure. it's 73. Could be a little bit before that. Yeah. We intercut that with the future, what's happening with Wolverine and Storm and their basically mission to try to get closer into the, the headquarters to try to prolong the time here. Yep. And we get our first casualty, unfortunately. Franklin get, bites the dust when the yeah. Sentinels break into the tunnel. Yep. So uh, so he's the first casualty. And uh, Rachel, there's a kind of a, a scary part we get, uh, too, with like just the way she... Uh, when Franklin dies, she's like, I was in his mind when he died. Like, I felt all of it. I was like, yeah. oh, shit. Like, they gave me shivers. Yeah, it's rough. Yeah, so it's like, uh, Rachel's Rachel's a really awesome character. I, um, if you keep reading Claremont, she'll show up not too uh, not too late after this. Okay. And you got to get her backstory. Uh, a different version of Rachel from a different history travels. It, they kind of flip it. Kitty sends her back in time. Gotcha. And then she stays in the, in the past. Okay. So it's kind of like a, a play on this story that we get here. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, so Rachel's on, like, the current squad of the X-Men. She's part of, like, Krakoa and all that. Gotcha. Um, so even though Franklin does die, I mean, they're able, they can take out the Sentinels, but it takes like a, a combined force of all of them usually. Yeah. Um, cause with like no mistakes. Right. Cause it, it takes uh Wolverine storm uh, and Colossus to take, uh, take these two Sentinels down. Colossus has to, throw down a whole fucking building on them, take <laughs> yeah. them down. Uh, where, where we take over in uh, Washington, D.C., because we actually do cut over to there as well, because we need to see the setup for uh, what's going to be now that we know the assassination of Robert Kelly, or at least the attempted. Mm-hmm. Um, th- this is uh, a really great... Uh, mystique story as well because you get to see some of like how she just works on a daily basis yeah like she just has several personas that she just keeps in her pocket when she needs them like raven uh like raven darkholm who is her persona for in the pentagon yeah so she is like literally already 
infiltrated all levels of government and already keeps tabs on everything. <laughs> yeah, which is amazing. Yeah, Mystique is fucking badass. I love Mystique. <laughs> For real, though. Because uh, you see her just like going through, like, uh, you know, everyone's just like saluting her because they, you know, she's a high ranking official. Mm-hmm. And then she goes into a room and locks the door and she has the Brotherhood of Evil Mutants just chilling in the Pentagon. Yeah. Like, oh, <laughs> this is our office, of course. <laughs> uh, the Brotherhood of Evil Mutants, as we get them here, is, uh, is Destiny, the precog. Um, Destiny is basically Mystique's wife. Okay. Claremont was trying to say that I think throughout all these stories, but like you know, in that back then the you had, 80s, to, you had yeah. to just hint at things. Yeah, totally. Um, so Destiny, Mystique, like they're a couple. Okay. Uh, and at this point in history, that we've acknowledged it. You know, it, gotcha. It, that's the way it always has been. It's a thing. But I, I just the way they phrase it here, I, that's why I bring it up because the way they phrase it here is like in bold. The only one that she can call friend in bold. Friend. <laughs> nothing more. <laughs> Subtle. They, they definitely don't smooch. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Uh, and then the other members definitely the- don't think about it a lot. <laughs> um, and then the other members we have on the team are Avalanche, who is kind of lame. Yeah, uh, his ability is just like creating earthquakes. Yeah, pretty basic. Yep. Uh, and then we have Pyro. Pyro, his ability is he can't create fire, but he can take fire and manipulate it and create shapes and shit like that. Just about equally as cool. Yeah, his powers are yeah, his powers I mean, are visually <laughs> interesting at least. It sucks when there's no fire around. Yes, that's right. <laughs> uh, and then we have Blob, and Blob's classic. Listen, I don't know what to tell you. Well, Blob's. Isn't that basically just the same dude as uh, the, the last one in the in the Hellfire Club? Yeah, they have similar powers. Yeah, uh, but it's cool that Raven keeps all of them just in the Pentagon, just chilling here. I like that. Right, it's like nothing to see here. These are my associates. Yep, and then the, she has Destiny with her, a precog, which you know, Destiny and Mystique together, like their power set. That's a, a fucking. Combo. That's a great combo. Like she yeah. can see things before they happen, and then Raven can go in and you know lay the seeds for what kind of infiltration she needs. Yeah, like anytime they're in the middle of something, if someone's about to walk in and be like, "Oh, this person's walking in," turn into this perfect disguise to like throw them off. Yeah, Destiny's pretty cool. Um, uh, I just want to call out there. There's a really really cool Destiny part in uh, in Hoxpox as well, um, with, with her and Moira. Oh, to- was she in that like huge? She was the one who was like, never "Oh yeah, come she's back the one that this. like basically directed her." Yeah. Well, she was the one that's like, "Never come back and try this. This is an abomination. Oh, if you ever try right. it again, I'll know and I'll remember oh, this conversation." Yeah, yeah. Uh, I forgot that was her. Yep. Holy yeah, shit. Destiny's badass. That's awesome. Uh, but what, but Destiny in this part uh, mentions that some of her powers are are clouded for the first time. Like she doesn't really know what's going to happen like she normally does, and she can't understand why. Um, but I mean, as readers, we know it's probably because Kitty's coming back and changing things. Yeah. So what she knows, she's is an th- anomaly. Yep, exactly. So the future is not set in stone yet. She doesn't know because things are changing. Yep. Uh, and then Senator Kelly, we get him before, uh, you know, giving this speech before um, before the Senate. And uh, Xavier and Moira are actually here on behalf of the mutants, giving their say. I got to say, too, I love all of Claremont's shots that he takes at the Senate. Because there's, oh, right. there's just like subtle parts where it's like, uh, and Robert Kelly uh, giving his announcement to the Senate, which can be the house of like some of the greatest and almost some of even worse things. And, like, <laughs> right. Just, like, he always just gives like slight shade to it. Right. He's like, it's epitomized the highest ideals of humanity and the worst realities. <laughs> yeah. Yep. <laughs> it's like, yeah. That's it. Uh, and he's giving this speech basically saying, like, the mutants are a threat to us. Like, if we look at evolution, the next step of evolution always wipes out the previous one. Like, mm-hmm. if we want to, you know, get a step on them, we need to, you know, start, you know, getting names, start making them register, start figuring out wh- who and where they are and how to stop them ahead of time. Yep. And then Moira's just sitting at the table with Xavier. I love her. Cause she's like, oh, and, uh, and after that comes the death camps. Like, she calls it as she sees it. Immediately. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. 
Charlie. Um, and Charles is like, oh, no, no. Like, he's just scared. Don't worry. And Moira's like, you're fucked. Like, <laughs> I know. <laughs> right. Some of these parts with Moira in this story as well, and as we mentioned Hox Pox before, and I only want to talk about it because recontextualizing some of this, these stories with what we know in House of X, Powers of X. Yep. Um, I don't want to spoil the, the coolest issue of I that know, story for yeah. anyone, but I just want to say overall, rereading the Moira if parts. If you know, you know. If you know about like yeah. what... He, like the Moira things we know about her as 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 it's been developed with Hickman, rereading some of these chapters and like some of the lines she says in in this story, yeah. kind of have a new context that Claremont never intended. Exactly, but it's kind of fun rereading it because she kind of like you know talks about like oh, the future can be changed. Like who knew? Mm-hmm. Like talking to Xavier and I'm like you cheeky bastard, <laughs> right? No, <laughs> who knew things could be changed? Wink, wink. <laughs> yeah, even though there was like no like a hundred percent like connection to it. Like Claremont had no idea that was like gonna come up. Right. But, like. Even still, it makes it really cool. But yeah, so I mean, I, that kind of goes for Moira in general. Rereading any story with her now, it's just like, ooh. I, I was just thinking that because like this is my other than that Hawksbox. Uh, that was the first time I ever read anything Moira Moira related. So now, like anytime I see her back in the past, it's like brand new. But now yep. with that extra context, it's like that much cooler of a character. Yeah, if you want to know what we're talking about, go read House of X, Powers of X. It's very good. It's oh only yeah, twelve no, issues. Definitely, it's great. Yeah, you can, you don't even need to be an X Men expert. Eric didn't know that was his first. X-Men I read it in book. the wrong order, and I still love it. <laughs> <laughs> You'll do fine. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but as Kelly's giving this speech, that's when the Brotherhood of Evil Mutants uh, busts in. They literally blow the wall off of, off of uh, the Senate hearing here. And uh, as they come in, they, they reveal themselves. Mystique is herself. They, they all have their costumes on. Um, yeah, I love Mystique's design for this, too. Oh, yeah. Mystique's costume's always been great. Uh, some of the other ones, not so much. Uh, Avalanche's costume, especially, is just so bad. Yeah, it's terrible. <laughs> it's terrible. He's just a, a silver, like, gorilla with, like, a silver helmet. <laughs> he looks terrible. And Blob's just wearing, like, a sumo wrestler outfit, or not even that, just, like, a the WWE outfit. Yeah, he's basically just, like, Big Show. <laughs> <laughs> and then Pyro's got his gas tanks. Destiny's costume is a little weird looking, but I like it. Yeah, it's it's a weird looking, like, outfit. The, but mask, it's, it's kinda... the mask ties it together. Like, I don't think it would have looked good, but the mask makes it look badass and, like, mysterious. It's very sci-fi. Like, it's almost, like like ufo alieny yeah but it also kind of makes her look like a like a sorceress or something oh totally yeah, yeah. like a fortune teller yep and uh so so the x-men jump in you know they they knew about what was happening because of kate so they're actually at this hearing and even xavier's like why are you guys here i don't understand mm-hmm. um and blob calls it out too because blob is actually one of the first x-men villains um he was part of the original like magneto's team so when he, co- he meets the team here he's like i don't know any of you people except for angel <laughs> what's up buddy <laughs> And Wolverine's like, yeah, we're better. Yeah, right. Uh, so that's where that first issue ends, kind of just that that uh, that confrontation. Uh, but Kate is part of this team as well that ambushed him with the X Men. So as soon as Xavier reads her mind, um, she like he knows like yeah. everything. He he sees that whole future too. Yep. Um, like through Kate's eyes, and he's like, holy shit! Like this, like this is the turning point. Like we gotta <laughs> yeah. play this right. Yeah, we just got thrown into a huge fire. Because Xavier looks around, he's like, "This could escalate even worse." Like the way we're like everything's going on right now. Like this, we're like this whole like shit's going down right now. Yep. Um. So we got to play this smart. Um. But then we do get our our you know a classic fight between the uh, the Brotherhood of Evil Mutants and the X Men. Um. Nightcrawler has some cool parts where he just like teleports around, just punching people. Oh yeah. Um. Which um. There's maybe better ways to illustrate that power, but it's you know the way it's introduced sounds pretty cool. Oh, yeah, definitely. Because um, I th- I think when you're illustrating Nightcrawler's like powers teleporting, I think you got to use more panels. Mm-hmm. Um, but things were so condensed with this storytelling, you can't really do that. You can't take time to just show art. 
Yeah, that's yeah, exactly. Yeah, the art was kind of like kind of restrained. Claremont that lets fashion. that happen more as this run goes on, but at this point, he, he was still stuck in that kind of like earlier writing style where it was like every panel has to get your mileage. You know, we got otherwise yeah. we're never going to get the story done. You know? Exactly. Yeah, he had a lot to fit in. Right. Um, but there's some pretty cool matchups there. You know, you get like Pyro trying to melt Colossus, and he's like, "I wonder if your metal can melt." And you get like his inner dialogue, like, "Oh shit, I've never asked myself that question." <laughs> yeah, it's like, I actually don't know. I don't want to find out either. <laughs> yeah. And we mentioned too that this story is intercut between what's happening in the future as well. Uh, so we see, um, you know, their assault on. It, it's cool the sen- the Sentinels use their home base, the one they uh, set up for all of their machines and yep. all their whole network. Is the, the Baxter, Baxter building. building. Yeah. Yep, totally. Reed Richards, you fucking bastard. You burn it all down. Exactly. You gotta burn it all down. Yeah, the Voyager had a contingency plan. Yeah, if you're gonna, if the Fantastic Four go down fighting, listen, you tried your best, but you gotta have a button on that thing. Yeah, the Baxter Building's gotta go with you. You can't let that technology fall into the wrong hands. Yeah, because this is what happens. The Sentinels use that as their base, and it just makes them even stronger because they have all of Reed Richards' advanced technology, and they've used it to just be the central node for their takeover. Yeah, it's rough. And we uh, there's some cool mentions too as to what's happening internationally as well. Because whenever Mm -hmm. you have a story like this, you kind of wonder like what the scope of it, what the scale of it is. Yeah, you would get mentions of the, the the Desolation's not worldwide because we get mention of the Sentinels just now starting to push out of America, or out okay. of North America, I should yeah, say, yeah, yeah. Um, and starting to attack other countries. And Kate says, like, you know, the way that everyone's talking, if the Sentinels make one more move, uh, all of the other world powers are going to just nuke North America and try oh. to get it all over with. Yeah, that is that is bad. Yeah, so they're on the clock here. So that's why Wolverine and Storm are like, we can't wait for Kate to, like, hopefully make this work. Like, we gotta, we just got to go at them. If we, if we all die, we all die. Like, hopefully Kate is our backup plan. Yep. Because if the Sentinels don't kill us, the nukes are coming. There's no way out of this just by waiting. Yeah, no, definitely not. Um, we, and like we mentioned before, like, when we saw the Sentinels uh, in the last issue, it kind of set up, like, how, how big of a threat they are. So in this issue, when we get this, uh, this page of Storm taking out one single-handedly it's pretty badass i like that yeah that was a great she sequence. just like flies into it with like all of her elemental powers and just takes it out and it just dings against the wall it's pretty <laughs> yeah. cool. i like that part yeah there's some great storm sequences and uh because their base is the baxter building though they actually do have a secret way in because they were friends with reed richards he, uh reed richards had told them about a secret elevator they can use to get through to the top uh, yep. where the home base is uh, Mystique has used uh, some pretty interesting ways in this fight as well. There's a part with uh, Xavier and um, and Moira where they're like being led out, like because they, you know, when the conflict first starts, like they're trying to play catch up. Yeah. And so this like officer comes by, is like Xavier, we'll get you out of here. Don't worry. Yeah. And then as they drag him out, it's Mystique and she attacks him. <laughs> yeah. Um, which yeah, she pulls a pr- out a few times. Yeah. And then there's another part where she fights Nightcrawler, and this is actually a, re- a pretty interesting sequence because this sets up some things as well. Um, because Nightcrawler attacks Nightcrawler essentially, yeah, <laughs> and uh, he has to fight himself. Uh, he's no, he knows he's fighting Mystique, but because they're fighting together and they're identical, it's one of those moments where Wolverine comes up and he, it's like the uh, where he looks around. And he looks <laughs> yes, right. which was the real Nightcrawler? Who's the real one? <laughs> and uh, he he takes his claws out. He's gonna straight up stab one of them, which is just a bad move. Yeah, I think Wolverine probably would have got the right one because he does have those extra senses yeah, where totally. he can like. Because there's a lot of moments like it happened in uh, just in what we read with the Dark Phoenix story where there was the imposter who kind of had Mystique's powers. Oh, right. And then it was the Skrull. That's yeah, what it yeah, was. he knew right and away. And then he stabbed the Skrull knowing it wasn't them. Yep. So I think he would have had the right one, but still, it's like, you don't need to kill Mystique. Exactly. Um, And Storm even does like uh, comes up behind him as he's about to go up there and stab her and, and puts her hand on his shoulder. And I love this part because Storm's the team leader now. Mm-hmm. So she's, you know, making calls as she sees it. And she goes, Wolverine, like, what are you doing? Like, you 
those aren't necessary here. <laughs> yeah, and, like, you have, like, adamantium bones. You could crush anything with just your bare hands. Yeah, she makes a great point there. She's like, you're basically a superhuman without the claws. Yeah, exactly. Like, you're already, like, you have enhanced strength, durability. You're not under threat. Mm-hmm. They can't take you out. Yep. Um, you'll just heal. So you don't need these claws unless you absolutely need them. Just punch them. Knock them out. <laughs> yeah, which yeah. is totally right. Yeah, she's totally relevant. Like, that's something Wolverine should always remember. Exactly. And that's the part why I wanted to call out earlier, where Wolverine's not using his claws again against those like street toughs yep um no that's a great connection because um maybe he's you know learned the, the lessons that storm's taught him in his old age no you know, like, i, I you, love that actually. you don't always need to kill everybody yeah totally yeah yeah storm storm's badass too because like wolverine's like I'm, I'm not doing what you tell me bub yeah he's even, even says like i wouldn't even take that from cyclops like you think i'm gonna listen to you yeah and then she's like either you sheed those or you use them on me we're yeah. not going there and he's like oh shit <laughs> yeah he's like she's kind of right. scary when she's in charge <laughs> i kind of like it yeah storm is team leader i, I love because she's like and she doesn't even have confidence in herself but when she does mm-hmm. it she does it well and like she just doesn't that's what maybe what makes her good is she's exactly. always questioning yep. if what she's doing is the right call exactly instead yeah, of just like going with her gut yeah. yeah that's what makes the best leaders yep and raven uh or mystique here um mystique makes a comment to nightcrawler which uh is kind of set up for yeah this was interesting because as far as i've even read in claremont this hasn't touched on a lot yet um, so I, I don't even know the full story here, but what she says to Nightcrawler is uh, Nightcrawler makes a comment when she turns back into her normal form, because this is the first time I think that Nightcrawler and Mystique have met. Yeah, um, seems that way. Nightcrawler, as soon as he sees Mystique's real form, he goes like, "Mine gods, you look just like me." Yeah, blue eyes, yellow or blue skin, yellow eyes. Yeah, like you know, like who are you like tell me like what's going on like why is this yeah and uh and she's like oh like i'm not telling you anything why don't you just go ask your mother and he, he calls out the name of his mom uh she says uh, uh margali stardos yep um which and I, I don't know who that is i haven't read far enough but yeah no idea i yeah i've heard that uh mystique is nightcrawler's mom but i don't know the full story there okay but I think this is like the first hint of it, the first setup. But Mystique also is uh, Rogue's adopted mom. That part has been set up at this point. At oh, okay. Yeah, uh, Rogue and uh, and Destiny were basically her adopted parents. Oh, gotcha. Yeah. Nice. Mystique does get away adopting another one of her personalities. And, you know, if, if Mystique wants to get away from a battle, there's no one stopping her. Yeah, if you're like an average like crowd of people, like you're going to get away in a second. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so the X-Men, as far as uh, as far as they know here, have succeeded in their mission. They saved Senator Kelly. The, the Brotherhood of Evil Mutants gets stopped. Yeah. Uh, you know, Storm douses Pyro. The other ones get taken out as well. Mm-hmm. Um, in the future, though, things don't go quite as well for them in their fight. Um, yeah, they're still they're still waiting around. I think the reason why this issue or this story is is very memorable is because there was very heavy stakes because of this story in the future. Like you could actually have like a, this scene here that we get where Wolverine tries to sneak up on a Sentinel. Yeah, it, they they pull this out real quick. Yeah, the, the Sentinel just turns around and just obliterates him like with a second thought. Yeah, and um, it, it's freaky looking because his whole body disintegrates and you just see it as an adamantium skeleton smoking on the ground. Yeah, it looks like Freddy Krueger with like the claws. Yeah, he just looks like a smoking like android yeah it's, yeah, it's, it, it's fucking, freaky looking yeah, yeah it's so when you get so when you get to see like these stories taken to the extreme it's it's something you don't get to see a lot in the in superhero comics at this point at least yeah and then um, immediately after that you get storm freaking impaled by like a spear yep and uh they we'll talk about it in the movie that's how she dies in the movie too yeah exactly yeah that's another impaled connection spear by a sentinel yep and uh, Colossus, you know, with both of his friends dead, you know, screams in his last final rage and goes Wolverine mode. They even mention yep. it. Yeah, he goes into a rage like Wolverine uh, and starts smashing the Sentinels out the windows. Yeah. Um, and he gets taken out, unfortunately, as well. But then it's just left with uh, with Kate and uh, and Rachel. Uh, Rachel, this whole time, has just been holding on to Kate's head, just trying mm-hmm. to keep her in the past, using all of her focus and all of her psychic energy on this. Yeah, but also still feeling all the deaths that are continually happening. Yep. <laughs> uh, so um, it, it 
it, and this is where we're left in the future. This is the last scene we get from the future. We get um, the Sentinels closing in on, on Kate and and, uh, and Rachel, and she's like, I hope it's enough time. Like, I hope you have enough time to yeah, do Yeah, that's the scariest part. Like, Rachel doesn't even know for sure. Like, if they get vaporized right then, like, she that could be it, or she they might still have a chance. She doesn't even know. That's a good point, because even if their mission succeeds, she'll never know if it worked. Exactly. Because if it worked, she never existed. Yep, totally. So, yeah, so, this like, there's... As far as herself in that time, there's no good way out of that. It's just like, this is the end one way or the other. Hopefully yep. it's good. <laughs> Freaking dive into the deep end. Yep. And she's like, I don't even know if Kate's going to be able to come back. She might just be in the past. Like, yep. I, I hope she lives a better life than she did here. Yeah. And I guess rest in peace, young kitty. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty rough. And that's kind of the, the interesting part about where we leave this story is because you don't really know if it worked or not at all. Because Kate goes back. You know, Kitty comes back like to her own mind. Kate mm-hmm. leaves. But you don't know if that's because Rachel died or if it because what they what they did actually worked. Yeah, exactly. E- either way, it would have turned out just like what happened. Yeah, because, yeah, Robert Kelly didn't get assassinated. But then even at the end of this issue, we see, like, you know, a meeting of uh, them talking about something that is basically the same thing that they're trying to avoid. Right. <laughs> so, yeah, they, you really don't know. Yeah, because, yeah, like, yeah, like you mentioned, they, the whole issue ends at the White House with them going, like, let's build Sentinels. Yep. Like, yeah, it, it's literally, didn't... yeah, it's the same thing. Yeah, and, like, you maybe, like, I guess you could maybe ho- just hope that, like, what Kelly saw would change his mind, but it doesn't seem like it did. Yeah, like, you basically just have to hope that there are some seeds that were planted in some important people's minds that mutants aren't 100% bad. Yeah, I don't think they realize how unsavable these politicians <laughs> are. <laughs> exactly. Um, but that's where we'll leave it uh, with Days of Futures Past. It's a nice little complete story there. The next one is a nice story uh, set on Christmas with the X-Men. Oh, and yeah. And they get attacked by those Sentinels that got built. Oh, for so real? it's not quite a Merry Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, so that, we'll, we won't cover that story. It's not quite Christmas yet. Yeah, definitely maybe, not. Maybe for our Christmas special. We'll see. Yeah, maybe. Um, but yeah, so that'll be it for the Claremont comic book stuff. Where Now we're going to be able to compare it to the Days of Futures Past movie. Um, we rewatched that uh, just the other day to prepare for this. And it, like we mentioned, it actually had more in common with the story uh, of the comics that we thought yeah a lot. um but i mean I've, they had to change it in their own ways as well because of course this this was an x-men story not starring wolverine as the lead character so first off producers scratch that yeah wolverine's the one who goes back in time. <laughs> which was, i mean hard to blame him yeah i mean and honestly in their defense hugh jackman carries these movies so. oh god yeah that was like the, the easily one of the best parts so honestly it, it works and they do kind of reference the kitty pride thing at least yeah um yeah, at least she gets like a little bit of screen time. Yeah, and, and and I should mention as well that this movie is a little cursed because of the person who directed it, Brian Singer. Yeah, it's a not little the bit greatest. Cursed. So again, another human piece of shit who yep. happened to weasel his way onto our podcast. But yeah, exactly. It, it's a collaborative pos- uh, process. It's a big movie. A lot of people had their hands in it. Yeah, totally. Um, some things that uh, with this the way this movie opens up and pretty much all of the scenes we get in the future, like the way they're shot, are just like visually really really cool. Yeah, this movie like kind of surpassed what I was expecting. Like it wasn't terrible. Like I. I enjoyed it. A no, I don't amount. think it's terribly, and it's got it's honestly the way I describe all of these X Men movies, like in like the the new reboot ones, those mm-hmm. four. Yeah, pretty much one sentence that applies to all of them is there's parts that work and parts that don't, and what you're left with, I guess, is just the average of those parts. Yeah, and you just got to kind of make it up in your head whether or not they work together. Yeah, um, take what what you want. Yeah, it, these kind of movies are all great for if you're the kind of person who watches just scenes on YouTube. 
Yeah, exactly. He's like, wow, that's a great Magneto scene. Yep, totally. <laughs> yep. Like, yeah, it's it's almost just like a meme factory for like X Men material. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so you get like a couple like cool like scenes. Like, yeah, you, there's a lot of cool and a cool fight moments. scenes. Like, wow, I've never seen Iceman look that badass. You know, things like that. <laughs> I, like, fair enough. Yeah, and then of course with the the whole Days of Futures past like uh, setting and everything, you get a lot of brutal moments too with like normally that you wouldn't get. Yep, because it's the same setup that Claremont uses. He realized like, wait, I'm not keeping these characters. Yeah, I can kill them. <laughs> yeah. You can do whatever you want. Yep. Uh, and some of the, the X-Men we get in the future are some that we haven't gotten to see in the movies yet who uh, have been long requested. Like Warpath, he's a classic X-Men. He's, yeah, there's a um, lot of names I didn't know. Yep, he's uh, he's part of like the X-Force traditionally and part of like he was actually in the first uh, actual issue of the Claremont stuff on the team. Oh, really? Um, and uh, we also get uh, Sunspot who's in this. Unfortunately, they whitewashed him again. <laughs> um, they, they casted another white guy to play Sunspot. Yeah. Just like they did the new New Mutants movie. Uh, serious? Um, oh, that's right. Yep. Yep. Um, and they don't even call him out How by name in this it? movie, though. He just shoots fireballs. At, yeah, at they don't even call by his like real name. Yeah, the way I mean, Sunspot is one of the characters visually they didn't get right either. Not even including the whitewashing stuff. Like his powers, like don't quite look how I would imagine them. Yeah, basically just look like Fireman. Or yeah, whatever. he just looked like the Human Torch. Yeah. Yeah, which is not as visually interesting as the way, like in the in the comics, the way his powers work is he goes like almost like completely black, almost like an eclipse. Okay, and shoots like these super hot, like molten black, like spots at people. Essentially, That's infinitely more cool. Yeah, <laughs> like, he literally just looks like a walking eclipse. It looks badass. That's amazing. Yeah. Uh, so here they just like yeah he's the human torch also he's white and uh, who cares <laughs> who also cares? He, we never even we forgot to say his name yeah he's gonna uh, get killed yeah but we do also have some returning members a lot of people who were in the original trilogy are in this uh, yep. like, almost the whole cast yeah because we get uh, Ellen Page back as Kitty Pride and um, uh, what's the name of the actor who plays Iceman we talked about him in Lock and Key as well I know I can't remember now yeah Sean Ashmore he was in uh, Lock and Key as well he's a pretty yep. good actor he's gonna be in the boys season two. Oh, also. is he yep. yeah because uh, we've run actually in, maybe season three because we ran into a couple times on the podcast now as well and actually be, now that we've been doing this X-Men series on my own time I went and rewatched almost all the X-Men movies oh really um, like the old ones uh, mostly the the new ones I did rewatch X-Men like 2 class. as well okay um, but I watched first I rewatched first class and I rewatched Apocalypse along with the two we talked about gotcha. just so I could have some context yeah yeah um, but yeah, so they get uh, Kitty Pride is doing something similar to what uh, she's doing in in the comic that we saw. She, but she, except she's filling the role that Rachel did. Yep, they're basically saying that she has the ability to send people back in time. Which sure, yeah, <laughs> and they like, and they bypass the reason Wolverine is the one that goes back is because his, his regenerating powers, his brain is the only one that can put itself back together. Yeah, they have a whole scene where they're explaining the rules of how this works. They pretty much just shove it down your throat and tell you to accept. This it. is how the movie works. <laughs> yeah. Move on. I'm like, yeah. listen, you didn't even. Need to tell me i was fine just accepting it as bullshit let's exactly go, let's go as soon as wolverine woke up in 1973 with like freaking cowboy boots and like beating the shit out of people i was on board oh yeah ass <laughs> hanging out i was on board oh yeah <laughs> right um but yeah so, so she sends wolverine back in time fulfilling the role of, of rachel wolverine being the one who goes back also makes sense because he would be the same age same actor same yeah. so it's pretty easy to same show appearance. that transition yeah totally um and so when he goes back, it's it's the the old X-Men, the new cast. So that was the thing that made this movie kind of exciting when it came out is because they were crossing over two different franchises, yep. like, two re- like a reboot with the one that came before it. Like that's had never been done, I don't think. Yeah, it's, it's actually an amazing concept, and I'm shocked they were able to pull it off. Yeah, and since they've done it, like everyone else has been taking that idea because yep. they've been, they had like, uh, they everyone wants them to do that with like Into the Spider-Verse, like yep. that, they, they, the new live action thing. Now they're doing Toby the Batman. Back. Now they're doing it with Batman. I was going to mention that yeah, too. Yeah, that's a 
amazing. Because we learned in that Flash movie they're going to have Michael Keaton and Ben Affleck both playing Batman in the movie as like different versions of the character. Yeah. And from what I understood, it sounds like Michael Keaton isn't just going to be like old man Michael Keaton. He's like going to be fighting in the suit. That'd be badass. That, at least that's rumors I heard. I, I mean, don't know. he was just Vulture. I don't know he if that's confirmed. Yeah, yeah totally. Well, he'd definitely be an older Batman, I imagine. They're not just going to make him pretend to be. No, no, no. I hope. Yeah, he'll be like middle-aged Batman. How old are you? 27. <laughs> don't ask. <laughs> Why would I lie about it? <laughs> And so when they get to the past, we get like the the older X Men cast. We talked about a lot of them last week. Um, and the, some of the ones we complained about actually work in this movie. Oh yeah, Jennifer Lawrence's Mystique kills it in this movie. One of the best things in the movie. It's awesome because they actually this is probably the best that Mystique's been written in all of the movies so far. Yep. Aside from you know her you know being with Magneto, which gross. Yeah. Um, Aside from that, she's doing mystique things for once, and like, and like in the other movies, like you'd argue that in the original movies, you know, mystique was pretty cool. You know, agent doing her own thing, yeah. but she was always like a henchman for Magneto, exactly. And even in X Men Three, like when she turns into a human, Magneto's like, "You sickened me," and she's like, "Magneto, <laughs> yeah, Magneto, <what> <laughs> why?" Yeah, so it's like even like she was still very much just a henchman. Yeah. So I like it written better where mystique is like we saw her in the comics. Like she's the leader. She like she makes the rules. People might work for her. Yeah. But it's like. She's going to call the shots herself. Well, in this, it's even more badass. She's basically just like a rogue secret agent working on her own to like assassinate someone. Right, because this is because fr- in first class she was a member of the X Men essentially, yeah. but then she like at the end she goes with Magneto and and goes off. And then with, at this point, like Magneto's in jail, so now she's on her own. Yep. So that that I like seeing Mystique like as her own agent, just going off and doing things without even telling anybody. Yeah, it's um, awesome because when you come back to this moment, like they tell her in the past, like she's the one who kills Kelly, so that. We get some badass parts, like where she's going through, like you know, rescuing mutants, like from, um, for like from the military where they're using them as weapons. Yeah, there's a great scene of that. Yep, and we uh, we have havoc on that team. Toad. Uh, yeah, there's some cool cameos in that. Yep. Um, and you said who was the dude that was uh, Scott's like brother? Or oh, that's cousin? havoc. Okay, yeah, he shoots uh, lasers out of his chest. Gotcha. He's not in this movie really at all, but we get. That. It's just that one cool scene. Yeah, because he was in first class. That's why they wanted to show him, just kind of show what happened to him. Gotcha. Because um, uh, the reason why they're going back is, I think I actually accidentally mentioned Kelly's name, but she's actually going back to kill Trask, yep. who's another X-Men character. He's the one who actually invented the the Sentinels. Okay. Um, so Did it, that just come up later after Claremont? No, I think it had come up already. He's okay. just not mentioned in the stories we've read. Gotcha. Um, which actually, that plan makes a little bit more sense. Like, actually stop the machines from being built. Yep. Like, stopping the assassina- assassination of a senator, maybe that helps, I think. Yeah, because, you, yeah, you stop that guy, but then there's always going to be some other piece of shit senator that's going to be a racist against mutants. Um, I mean, in, in their defense, uh, that was they didn't. That was the best plan they had. They didn't, yeah. even, they didn't even know, really, who killed him. They just said, like, someone killed him. We got to go back and hope, stop that. They, that was all they had to go off of. Yeah, like, so one of the cooler differences of this movie is that Mystique is basically, like, the key thing for trash because in the the future is that when they captured mystique after she had killed them that they used mystique's dna to build the sentinel like technology that allowed them to adapt to like any mutants. that was the point i was going to make i think that makes a little bit more solid of a, a plot twist because then like if you if you kill trask or he or he kills you even or yep. if mystique dies either way you've stopped that future from happening exactly like, almost unequivocally because you could because it's kind of pitched to the point where they maybe could have killed sentinels like they could have taken them out but not with the morphing ability yeah because it, even like the opening lines of the movie is magneto saying like we're going up against an enemy or xavier saying we, we're going up against an enemy we can't beat and right. like, then that the reason of that is because of Mystique's power that lets him adapt to any mutant. Um, but back to Mystique, yeah, the stuff like she does in this movie is really cool because we see her um, like going undercover, like to uh, to take the. We see her going undercover to actually get her personas. 
Like, yeah. We don't see that in, in the comic necessarily, but it would have been cool to see a scene of her like going to like the real Raven Darkholm and taking her out. Yeah. We kind of get a scene like that in this movie where she goes to like this Vietnamese general because it's like the surrender of the Vietnam War in Paris. Yeah, the Paris Accords. Yeah. Um, and she goes to this Vietnamese general and takes him out and takes his personality. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there's a when she gets made, I wanted to. That's why I wanted to call this scene out. When she gets made, there's such a cool transition. Yeah, yeah. As she's she, like, she's mid fight transitioning into herself. Yep. As the camera's zooming in, like that's such a really good, almost iconic, like mystique shot. I think. Yeah, no, it's a really well directed shot. Because like it, it zooms in as she's fighting, and then by the time it gets to her face, she does like the final punch, like as herself. It's like, yeah, it's me, bitches. Yeah, exactly. I love that scene. Yeah, it's great. Um, some other good things to call out this movie quicksilver amazing oh, obviously quicksilver yeah. so good in this it's insane <laughs> like we we called it out in in dark phoenix but he wasn't quite in a lot of dark phoenix because in dark phoenix i mentioned it they were just doing it to subvert what they had already set up as the trope yeah um where he fails gene beats him yeah um but in this this was the setup of it this was showing what he can do mm-hmm. and this is i mentioned it last week this is the best interpretation of a speedster i think a movie is shown definitely like a superhero speedster because we got it in justice league with the flash the worst example of it. Yep. <laughs> he just runs like in slow motion like he's ice skating. It, it looks terrible. <laughs> Even in the Snyder Cut, the new one, it looks so bad. Oh, God. And then in the Avengers in uh, Age of Ultron with Quicksilver again. I mean, yep. it didn't look bad, but no. it, it was easy the way they did it. Exactly. it was yeah. just a blur, like yep. Sonic, that went by. <laughs> yeah, gotta go fast. He had to go fast. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but in this, the way they do it is makes the it makes every fight seem more interesting. Yep. And we talked about it last week. It was in Dark Phoenix, it was the only thing that could make a fight scene interesting <laughs> yeah totally but in this like the when they first set it up you know they play it with like you know some music that, that kind of makes it a more relaxing tone oh yeah and then he goes through just kind of like almost pranking all the guards making them punch each other and like licking soup you know eating it in slow motion yeah just moving the bullets out of the way and like getting the knives like not in blade uh position and just like slowly like having everyone punch themselves yeah it just sets him up as like a very like fun kind of carefree character and he's oh, yeah. also like a thief like he can go through and steal anything he wants yeah i like the take of him being just like a teenage rebellion dude like he's just rocking like the pink floyd t-shirt and just like i, I don't care about it though it's like i do my own thing yeah this is one <laughs> of the better quicksilver takes in general i don't even really like him in the comics yeah uh, as a whole like it's kind of a cliche bland character but in yeah, the like... comics he's just kind of like son of magneto henchman is the take i've mostly gotten from him okay um but in this you know he, he is kind of they reference it to him uh him as the son of magneto but in this franchise they never really pull that that thread too too hard gotcha um they just kind of hint at it uh, but yeah, so he has some cool scenes, um, and then I, I think up to the point of them of like that mystique scene of her stopping uh, that like the one we talked about of her as the general like morphing and and Magneto trying to kill her. Yeah, I think that's probably the peak of the movie. I think as it goes on, like it, it does waver a little bit. Um, the scenes in the future are always really cool. Oh yeah, just visually at the very least. Well, the I mean the. Probably the peak for me, or the, the best scene in this movie, is uh, when Xavier? when Exa- when the two yeah. Xaviers are able to like uh, communicate through um, Wolverine and shit. Yeah, because like that scene of uh, of Patrick, well, that's Patrick Stewart and James McAvoy just acting shit out yeah, of what dude, they can do. Yeah. That scene is just ridiculously good. Yeah, I think this movie, honestly, uh, it's easy. For, like I, I've been saying a lot of good things about it so far, but I think honestly, it might be carried by the actors. Definitely, I think that's some uh, that's a thing here. Oh, like, for sure. Some of the sh- like some of the shots are pretty good like cinematography and whatnot the yeah. writing is pretty basic it's kind of just straight from the pages yeah this movie really is carried by a lot of the performances we get 
it. Like, everyone kind of did bring their A game here. Oh, God, yeah. Yeah, you couldn't have asked for a better cast, obviously. And, yeah, no, they all right. killed it. That's what I mean. It's like, because having that scene with Patrick Stewart and James McAvoy, like, they, they killed that. He's, like, tells, telling him he needs to hope again. Yeah. And, like, shakes him out of his rut. Like, no, you need to be the leader they need you to be. Yeah, th- that scene is just so fucking well done. Yeah, because Wolverine's telling, like, uh, young Xavier, he's like, listen, I'm not the leader. I'm a terrible leader. I can't give you a pep talk. Yeah, because, yeah, Xavier even says, he's like, they sent the wrong man. And Wolverine's like, yeah, you're fucking right. <laughs> It's like I, but I was the only one who could physically handle it. But like, if you like, if you look into my mind, you might be able to tap like back into the future. So he actually like reads or taps into Wolverine and is able to communicate with himself in the future. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, it's amazing. Um, the final confrontation, Magneto just goes all out. I like, I like his sense of style, if nothing else. Oh yeah, he's still rocking like <laughs> the like, high, the high collar and like the cape. Yep, he goes <laughs> back and gets his helmet. Yep. Um. Oh wait, I forgot to mention one thing. I, I almost, I got really upset for a second and then forgot what I was about to say. <laughs> Mystique. She breaks into Trask's office, and this is the worst offense of the whole movie. She breaks into Trask's office. Oh and, yeah. Because yep. the reason we get the reason why she's so upset. They've been killing mutants like uh, off the books, like, yeah. gathering them and killing them Basically, for experiments. Like, yeah, I've been doing the Dr. Mangala treatment. Yeah, and she gives the list of mutants that have been killed. This is basically the list of mutants who are going to be killed off screen. And most of yeah. them, it's like, yeah, Azazel, sure. <laughs> uh, they go through the list. Emma. Emma Frost gets killed off screen. Yep, they just show her like autopsy picture. That was the part that makes me the most mad because you're going <laughs> to use her in the first movie barely. I rewatched First Class, I mentioned. But they, the way they wrote her, they wrote her as like a henchman and she's always just taking orders from yeah, Shaw. And true. Shaw even like treats her like garbage and she's like, okay. <laughs> and I'm like, I yeah, hate it's this. a bad character. I hate this. Like Emma Frost should be like fucking queen of the Hellfire Exactly. Club. She's yeah. the white queen. Yeah, like, exactly. What are you doing? Like nobody talks down to Emma Frost. Yeah. So like, I, I wanted to like. If you just kept her alive, you could have had her in this movie, maybe have her imp- that role improved on. Exactly. Have her part of like the Resistance working with Mystique. Yeah, a powerful psychic would have really came in that handy. would have been sick. Like, Ugh. Jesus, man. Yeah. So, again, that makes me really upset that Emma Frost is killed off screen. She gets the Cyclops treatment in this movie, which is the absolute disrespect. Oh, yeah. Yeah, The rap- it wraps up pretty well, too. The whole stadium... Like Magneto lifting the stadium as like a fucking wall around the White House. It might be a bit much, but it's pretty cool. I'll be <laughs> it's honest. It's pretty cool. Because yeah. he takes the whole stadium, puts it around the White House to trap the president in his bunker. And yep. I'm like, this is yeah, great. Yeah, and then he just rips the bunker out from underneath the ground and oh, just lifts it onto the that's, lawn. Honestly, I like that part. That's so, a brilliant cause scene. Because I, I mentioned it when they're in there. I'm like, you're just going to hide in a metal box. Exactly. You guys are idiots. How did they not plan rips for that? Rips the emergency room out of the White House and puts it on the lawn. Oh, uh, yeah, that is such a good I scene. I love that. Like, Mr. President, you're not hiding in your bunker. <laughs> Yeah, and then Poof. Mystique poses as Nixon is like, no, like take me, let uh, spare everyone else, and everyone's just like, that's not Nixon. <laughs> yeah, God, like Magneto's so great in this because even what he's trying to do, I'm kind of like, damn it, Magneto, I'm kind of like as fired up he's, as you are. I yeah. know, honestly, like he has some good points. Like they're about to build <laughs> death robots and unleash them. Yep. Like Magneto's like, you all need to do something. Yeah. Like and Xavier's like, no, we need to make them good, and Ex- Magneto's like, nah, man, we gotta stop them now. <laughs> yeah. Like that, we're on the fucking clock. Yeah. So yeah, so that's a that's a really cool scene of him pulling Nixon out of his fucking bunker. That's yeah. really satisfying. Yeah, it's a great sequence. But what's interesting about this movie, for better or worse, is this also divulges the timeline. Um, so in some ways that's really great, but in some ways it doesn't work as well because this movie leads us to Apocalypse, which leads us to Dark Phoenix. So because of what um, Kitty and Logan have done here, 
they've changed the future. So essentially, what the the meta context of this was the new movies being like. Those old bullshit movies never happened. Yeah. X-Men 3, forget about it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because they literally bring Gene back at the end of this. Oh, yep. Like, Wolverine wakes up after everything's done, and Gene's just, like, in the mansion. Yeah, so it was that, that was what they were trying to say, is yeah. we're rewriting it. Those movies never happened. Because yep. also, for the meta context of they want to change how things got done. Yeah. Because now the movies can introduce Cyclops and Nightcrawler and Gene however they want to. Yep. And use them and, however they want and to. And probably yeah. do another failed attempt at the Dark Phoenix story. Right. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Which they did. Like, wait, wait, Dark Phoenix never happened. It's going to happen again, but good. Wait, never mind. <laughs> yeah. It was bad again. Yeah, never mind. History we, repeats itself. We fucked up you again. You throw a rock in the river, but it corrects itself. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, but that's kind of the meta context is, yeah, so those movies got wiped out. And like we said, the, um, you get a nice scene of uh, all the original X-Men actors kind of getting their, their nod off, yeah, you know, their, yeah. their curtain bow. I, I really appreciated the Kelsey Grammer nod. Yep, Kelsey Grammer's Beast comes by. Yep. You get a slight cameo yeah, uh, yeah. of Rogue, who I think was going to be in more of the movie, but got cut. Yep. And uh, you, a glimpse of what I believe is supposed to be Rogue and Iceman's kid. I th- yeah, there was a kid with a white stripe with in his white hair. streak, yeah. yeah. I, I think that's implied to be Rogue and Iceman's kid. Could have been a nod. Which is interesting, yeah. yeah. And then the what it also results in is there's a divergent path for the young X-Men as well. They can go and make their own movies, like we mentioned. Yep. Uh, and it kind of sets up an interesting setup for the other movies, because Mystique is now essentially uh, a hero for the mutants. Yep. Because she stepped up and you know stopped Magneto and then like got away with it, too. It, it's interesting that they, that change actually was allowed to happen, but unfortunately it also means this was like the last movie where we get a mystique which is like fun to watch yeah exactly because in the other movie she just becomes cyclops yep like she's just like uh she's just cyclops with she doesn't even really get to use her powers yeah she just kind of play calls yeah exactly so unfortunately the way that they pitch it is interesting you Mm -hmm. know if this was the last movie but unfortunately it wasn't yeah like it's like a great redemption story but then they just kind of like forget about the character and not try to expand on her anymore. Right. So I don't know. As far as if I wanted to like rank these within the uh, X Men movies, I still think First Class is probably my favorite of the four. I'd say yeah, because uh, First Class has some like awesome Magneto parts, like some really great Magneto. Oh parts. yeah. This movie has a few really good ones. Definitely. Yeah. The, um, the they actually did a better train heist scene in this a little bit. Oh yeah, that that scene with uh, Magneto in the train heist is really dope. Yeah. And, I mean, and him he, going to turns, the Pentagon uh, too. Oh yeah, yeah. Like he just has these two metal balls like in his fancy suit. <laughs> Floating yeah. them around, and you're like, "Ooh, what are those for?" And then just being a total asshole. Yeah, he's got a, a one for you, one for you. Yeah, he freaking like Zenyatta's it. Yeah, it's like uh, these are X Men with really, really cool powers. Let them use their powers in cool ways. Dark Phoenix movie. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so it's it's uh, it's on. Yeah, I feel like you can kind of measure these new movies by the amount of good Magneto scenes there were. Yeah, Magneto, and I'd say like uh, Xavier and Wolverine too. Yeah, I mean, Wolverine's only in one of the new reboot movies. I'm talking about the... Oh, as a whole, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, totally. Um, But that'll be it for our X-Men coverage. Um, We we wanted to just do a three-parter, just dive into the Claremont stuff a little bit. We might revisit some Claremont stories. There's a lot... When you're doing X-Men stuff, it's hard not to try to come back to these. Not that there's not more we could do. Yeah, totally. But there's a lot of other ones we we could cover in here, like, for different characters. Because he he did his whole run all the way through, like, for, like, from the 70s to, like, the 90s. Damn. So it was a long run. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so there's a lot we could cover there. Uh, like we mentioned, uh, next week we're going to be starting a Swamp Thing uh, episode. So have we decided what we're doing for the adaptation yet? Maybe we should decide that right here and now. Yeah, it's between the newer show or the Wes Craven movies. Do, do you do you have a, a strong opinion on that, or should I leave it up to a poll? 
I'm I kind of I'm in the middle, honestly. I mean, we could add, we could leave it up to a poll and see where everyone else is feeling. Yeah, so so we'll we'll see where we're at on that. Maybe I'll leave it up on Twitter and see what we're covering. But we're no matter what we're doing, we're gonna do the first arc of uh, Alan Moore Swamp Thing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then compare that to a uh, Swamp Thing adaptation. I think we'll do that for a couple weeks because uh, yeah. Swamp Thing's my character. I've mentioned it before. Yeah, I've been wanting to dive into Swamp Thing for a while. Like I, I think my, my top characters in comic books in general are probably Daredevil, Hellboy, and Swamp Thing. I think those are three of my top ones with a bullet. I think for sure. Yeah, I can see that. Um, and Swamp Thing, I uh, I think I mentioned it before on the podcast. I've almost read every appearance of the character. Actually, um, I started reading Alan Moore, and then I've gone in order after that, all the runs after that, and I've Damn. read all everything from the New Fifty Two onwards. I finished all of that. Shit. Um, I only have a couple more runs from what bridges those hmm. um I, i'm right now i'm in the middle of the uh, nancy a collins run i just actually ordered the omnibus for that for that book uh, oh, it's really? in the mail right now it's oh, it's gonna be beautiful you would how are you gonna have any room on that shelf oh I, i'm already out of room <laughs> it's gonna be a problem i was gonna say yeah it's, it's a problem i'm gonna have to figure my way out oh yeah um but anyway join us next week for swamp thing we will be respecting the green oh yes oh yeah all the green see you later